Hello everyone, it's Josh, back again for another podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about the lifestyle of a professional footballer away from the pitch and the five types of activities which involve downtime, rest, relaxation, leisures, hobbies and charitable work. Being a professional footballer is very hard as there is little time when you are not training and most players do not know what to do with themselves. Every player needs a little time for downtime, which could either be 15 minutes to clear your head or two hours to take your mind off football for a period of time. Downtime is where you are not working or not active. This could involve having a nap, watching TV series or YouTube or many other activities. A good professional example would be Granit Xhaka, who watches fellow Swiss member Roger Federer plays tennis matches. The next activity that we're going to be talking about today is rest. Rest is similar to downtime, but includes activities that allow you to still be active. For example, foam rolling is a type of resting and recuperating your muscles, so they do not get fatigued after matches or hard training sessions. Other types of rest involve the amount of sleep you get per night, as if you stay up all night, your muscles will be fatigued and you'll be mentally drained, meaning your performance will not be at the best level as you are tired. Most professionals say that anywhere between 9 to 11 hours sleep is fine and allows you to recover for the next day. The next activity is relaxation. Relaxation is what you do in your downtime that keeps you active but not working hard. There are many ways you can do this as a professional footballer. Examples of this could be just scrolling through social media, meeting friends, going out to the cinema, or for a meal, or just by playing video games. As you see today, Lots of professional footballers use video games as a way to relax. Examples of this would be Aguero, who streams on Twitch whilst playing with his friends, and Lacazette, who is known for being the best professional footballer at playing FIFA. Most people find this as the easiest way to take their head away from football, as video games involve concentration and when playing with your friends can be very funny. The problem with video games is that it's very easy to forget how long you've been on them, and before you know, it's time to get some sleep. The last activity is charitable work. This is very important for professional footballers as it gives them a good background and helps with the press. Throughout this lockdown, we have seen Marcus Rashford give up a lot of his time helping young children to receive free school meals. This has given Marcus Rashford a lot of positive press and has also inspired other players to give money to charities. Thank you for listening to my podcast about the five types of lifestyle activities when not training. Hope you have a lovely day and until next time, goodbye. (coughs) Hello, it's Josh, back again for part two of my podcast. Earlier we talked about lifestyles in in football and today we are going to be talking about inappropriate lifestyles for a professional footballer, which will involve alcohol, drugs, smoking and gambling. Alcohol is a big problem in professional football in the past, however not so much today. Tony Adams was a prime example of how alcohol affected his career. Tony Adams made a documentary in a book where he talks about his addiction for alcohol and how it caused him to have to spend time in prison and to seek therapy for help. Lots of people already knew his addiction from past car crashes where he'd been caught drink driving. Whilst all these problems were occurring, his performances on the pitch for Arsenal were still good as he was still winning trophies. In his documentary, he states it was a very hard position to get away from and it affected his life very much to the present day. Another big problem in football is drugs, which are a lot less likely nowadays as players get tested regularly. 
One of the greatest players of all time, Diego Maradona, tested positive for a drugs test. For a player who was seen to have everything in life, he made some stupid decisions. He failed multiple drugs tests and continued to put on weight as a result of this. At the age of 34, he was still Argentina's biggest hope at the 1994 World Cup, where he scored against Greece in the group stages. After this, after this goal, he appeared to be on something, and after a random drugs test, he tested positive again. Nowadays, if you test positive for drugs, you can be fined or even banned from the FA, meaning that you cannot play professional football. This is the reason why there are not as many failed drugs tests today. A bigger problem today in the game of professional football would be gambling. Gambling is addictive and very easy as you can do it anywhere. Lots of teams even do it on the coached and away game by playing cards. This is a problem as they then get addicted and start gambling on other sports as you are not allowed to gamble on football. As lots of these players are on high wages, the money does not seem a problem at the time. However, when you add it up at the end of the season, you realise how much you have lost. An example of gambling would be Paul Merson, who played for Arsenal between 1985 and 1997. Paul Merson Paul was then on a show last year called Harry's Heroes, which was run by Harry Redknapp, where he talked about the problems that gambling had brought into his life and how he ended up wanting to take his own life. Like Tony Adams, he stated that it was the hardest place to get out of, and even to this day, he still gambles, just not as big as he was before. Another inappropriate lifestyle is smoking, which has become a bigger problem due to social media and people taking pictures of professional footballers having a cigarette. An example of this would be Jack Wilshire, who at the time was quite young and playing for Arsenal, where someone posted a picture of him having a cigarette outside a club. After this, he received lots of hate, saying that he was ruining his career, where he then had to come, off, come to social media to say sorry. A few years later, he stated that it was a hard time to get through, and the hate affected him on the pitch and off the pitch. Another inappropriate lifestyle problem would be antisocial behaviour, which could cause problems on and off the pitch. A recent example of antisocial behaviour would be England's centre-back in the World Cup and Manchester United's £80 million signing. Harry Maguire. Whilst on holiday, it was said that he got into a fight in Greece, where he was then put into prison and was bailed out. This type of behaviour is awful for your career, as it draws lots of negative media towards you and results in you losing your place in the team, which we saw from Harry Maguire. Social media can also be seen as an inappropriate lifestyle. This is because you're, you are well known as a professional football player. Everyone is against you, meaning that people make up rumours to make you look bad or even bring up stories from when you were very young. Another problem is, if you break a rule, you are usually spotted as people know you. Prime example would be Jack Wilshire, who was once again spotted smoking, where it then spread it around social media and resulted in him paying a fine. Another very recent example of the ne negative effects of social media would be Jordan Pickford, who ever since his tackle on Virgil van Dijk has been, has been receiving with death threats. This will obviously affect him on a mental level and maybe even in his performances. Peer groups also influence inappropriate behaviours as you can be peer pressured into things you do not want to do. A football example would be before the 1996 Euros where the England players were in the news because of the dentist chair incident which was where the players were laying down on a chair with their mouths open and having drinks poured down. It must be hard to not get peer pressured when you had Paul Gascoigne in your team 
sense. However, this shows the importance of peer groups and how they can have a negative effect on your performance and lifestyle. That's all for me today. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the inappropriate football lifestyles. Until next time, goodbye. Hi guys, it's me again. And today I'm going to be talking about lifestyle pressures which involve performances, well-being, expectations, friends slash family, relationships and social life. Performances can involve training and matches, which both bring pressures, usually through mistakes. As you've probably seen this season, Chelsea's goalkeeper, Kepa Arizabalaga, made lots of mistakes, which cost Chelsea matches. The biggest one being against Liverpool, where he passed the ball to Sadio Mane, who scored. <coughs> Kepa received lots of hate on social media, forcing Chelsea to buy a new goalkeeper. The next pressure we're going to be talking about is well-being which is a state of being comfortable, healthy and happy. This can be made half of footballers if they are receiving lots of hate from the media or struggling with problems at home. This will affect their well-being and their performances on the pitch. Lots of players struggle to talk about their well-being and some players' well-being gets to the point where they can't live anymore. A recent example of this would be the recent death of 17-year-old Jeremy Whiston, who didn't get offered another contract at Manchester City and unfortunately took his own life. This is why it is very important to always check up on your friends and make sure they are not suffering any problems that you don't know about. The next pressure is expectations, which is very important for a professional footballer as lots of people expect you to be perfect. A recent example would be Harry Maguire, who back in 2018 was loved by all English supporters whilst playing in the World Cup. This quickly changed as he signed for Manchester United for £80 million. He then started making mistakes for them at the back, where he then re- received hate from the same fans that were chanting his name in the World Cup. Another example from Harry Maguire would be where he r- reportedly had a fight in Greece. However, his story was different as he said he was defending his sister. This shows that the media makes football footballers always look in the wrong and that no one is perfect. The next pressure is an external pressure, which is friends and family. One way in which these bring pressure pressure to your career is through wanting to impress them and make them proud. Also, if you are in an argument with a friend or family member, it could affect your performance either in match or training. As you are constantly thinking about it. This will affect you at home as well, meaning your downtime is also stressful instead of relaxing. The next pressure is relationships, personal and professional. Personal relationships could also cause pressure as you want to impress them. could be also very stressful if you have children to look after. Professional relationships involve teammates and coaches, which have a big impact on your career, as if you don't get along with a coach, he's unlikely to play you in the matches. In professional football, you see lots of disagreements between players and coaches, an example being Danny Rose with Jose Mourinho, where he believes he deserves to start in Tottenham's defence. This resulted in him leaving Tottenham and joining Newcastle so that he could get game time. Relationships could also involve players with, uh, with, e- with, you, with each other, as if you have an argument in training, it may lead into the game, meaning you get onto each other's backs quickly, losing team spirit. Social life is the last pressure, and very important, as it causes the most pressure and stress, as we have recently seen with the Jordan Pickford, receiving hate from his tackle on Van Dyke. This is just one of many 
examples of players receiving death threats and hate on a daily basis. This causes pressure as it affects you in-game and training as the comments are running through your head. It is very psychological as if you see a comment saying that you haven't scored in ages, the likelihood is that you will overthink when you have a chance and end up missing. These are the pressures and how they affect you as a professional footballer. Thank you for listening to me again today. Until next time, goodbye. Hi guys, I'm back again and today I'm going to be talking about behaviour and lifestyle management. There are a few management techniques that allow you to have a positive lifestyle. First one being mentoring or coaching. This strategy is very important as it helps to build bonds, also helps as they are usually older and have been through the same situations. This will impact your career as it means you are able to maintain a positive lifestyle, allowing you to have a long career that is managed by people to help you. The next technique is group or one-to-one discussions, which could involve anyone. Group discussions could be of players your age and your team. This will help you have a positive lifestyle as if you have any problems, the players around you might have been through the same struggles. One-to-one discussion could be of anyone you trust. These are useful as it lets you talk about anything you need to just to one person privately. Next strategy is change your lifestyle and this can involve seeing a nutritionist who may give you a completely different diet. This will allow you to keep a good diet so that your body percentages are in the correct zones and you are not overloading in certain areas. Another strategy is change your routines which involve Life coaches. This is important as it helps you to understand timings, e.g. sleeping, recovery time, relaxation, dinner, etc. This is important so you are not wasting time in areas that need more time. Next strategy is well-being management, which is very important as we recently have seen lots of people receiving hate on social media for many reasons. To deal with your well-being, you might get a psychologist who will help you mentally and explain how to deal with certain situations. Also, is that if there is any other problems, you can talk to them, and they can give you advice. Another lifestyle management is physical fitness and exercise, e.g. physiotherapists. This allows you to understand the importance of recovery and stretching, so that you are physically able for your next session, also reducing chances of injury. Another strategy for lifestyle management is alternative activities. e.g. yoga or meditation. These are very important as it allows you to take your mind away from football and have some free time to yourself. Next strategy for behaviour management and lifestyles would be medical services, e.g. club doctor and NHS services. These are very helpful as they are free and allow you to receive help when you are ill. There are also mental health support who will help you when you are feeling down or just need someone to talk to. Next strategy is professional support player services, which involve PFA and player support support services, also linking into the mental health support. These services allow you to seek help in all areas of your development when you have any problems. The final area is family and friends, which is very important in developing as a professional footballer, negatively and positively. Family and friends always want you to, to do your best, however, can cause lots of pressure. However, when going through bad times in your career, family and friends will always be there to talk to and want to give you advice. Thank you for listening to my newest podcast, and I hope to see you all again, but until then, goodbye. <coughs>
Hi guys, I'm back again for another podcast and today I'm going to be talking about professional behaviours in sport. The first professional behaviour is following the laws of the sport. This is very important as if you do not follow the laws of the sport, you start to get a bad reputation for yourself. E.g. Paul Gascoigne, even though he's one of England's best players, had a bad reputation of drinking alcohol before games. This could affect your career short and long term. At short term it could affect your most recent recent game as being hangover may not allow you to play to your best ability and also nowadays long term you could be banned for your lifetime for failing all the tests. The next professional behaviour is sportsmanship and professionalism which is very important as it shows your respect for the sport and the laws even if you lost a match or won. A good example of this would be the French World Cup winning team in 2018 who after beating Croatia in the final, at the final whistle, instead of all celebrating, they made sure the Argentina players were fine before they then celebrated in the changing room. This will affect their career long term, as the French national team was very young, so was a role model to all the other nations. The next professional behaviour is always respecting opponents and officials, which is very important as they are there to do their job and no one is perfect meaning that they can't get every single decision right and they will make mistakes. This could affect their career long term as no one in the league will like you if you constantly shout abuse at a referee. It is important that after every match you shake your opponent's hands and the official's hand to show your respect. Next professional behaviour is appearance, which is very important as this is how people see you off the pitch and out in public. This is very important As you are a role model, so if people see you wearing certain brands of clothing, they'll want to copy you. This is why your clothing and appearance has to be suitable for all ages. Next professional behaviour is being self-reflective, which involves thinking about the negatives and positives you have achieved in a time period and how next time you can improve the negatives. This will impact your career as it shows that you are improving as a person and people start to notice the good things you are doing. For example, Marcus Rashford, who has done a lots of no, who has done lots of noticeable char- charity work recently. Another behaviour would be following the laws of society, as if you do not follow these, you will gain a negative reputation. An example of this would be when players try to avoid tax or fines. A footballing example would be Lionel Messi, who avoided taxes and then had to pay a fine. Lots of people found this behaviour unacceptable after the amount of money he earns. Next professional behaviour is respect for family, friends and the public. This is very important as this is usually seen by the next behaviour, which is respect for the media. If you're spotted being mean to the public or having family problems, the media will normally publicise the problem and put the player in the wrong. This is why it is very important you're respectful towards fans, family and the media. The next behaviour is being a role model. This is very important as nowadays lots of young people look up to certain players, either as inspirations on the pitch, off the pitch or both. It is important that you're always being a good role model as if younger audience looks up to you doing something wrong, they tend to copy you. This then reflects onto you as a role model and a player. Thank you for listening to my newest podcast on professional behaviours and until next time, goodbye. Welcome to the final part of my podcast and today I'll be talking about how players can communicate effectively with fans, media, teammates and support staff. 
Throughout the professional's career, they'll be challenged multiple times, where effective communication will be important. When communicating in football as a professional, it is important that the message they are trying to get across, either to the fans or their teammates, is clear so that they understand. An example of this could be when challenging for a tackle or header by calling your name. This is important as it should have then stopped any of your teammates challenging for the ball, which could result in injury for both of you. You could be asked to communicate at any point when being a professional footballer, most common one being an interview, either before or after a match. This is very important as you want to come across as a genuine human being who is able to communicate to fans watching from their houses. A bad example of this would be Erling Haaland, who recently had an interview where he answered every question with one-word sentences. This obviously doesn't look good to the club or for the fans, as it shows he's not able to communicate to a wide range of people. It is very important that you have a good appearance, which involves body language, posture and a smile, which will go down well with the fans. During the interview, fans are able to tell whether you are motivated to play with the club or not. And this is seen through tone of voice and good vocabulary. Another important note to the fans is timing, as if you speak very fast, they may not be able to understand and it will make you look unprofessional and not interested. It is important that the conversations with different people are taken into consideration, as when speaking with one of your friends off of the team, you may use slang and a different tone of voice compared to an interview. The tone will be louder when competing in a match or training as they are trying to get a command out quickly so that they can help their teammates. For example, left shoulder, man on. Another form of communication is written communication, where it is important that professional footballers write with good grammar and punctuation so that they look professional. Overall, there are many effective ways to communicate as professional footballers and it is important that every time you show professionalism as people may be inspired by you as a role model. Thank you for listening to my final podcast and overall, I feel like it has been a great series. Until next time, goodbye.